Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman, Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango and Jeff Burton 105.7 The Point, and we have got a guest this week. Now, we were stoked last week when our buddy Alex Ferrario joined us. Uh-huh. Now, I believe we've stepped it up. We've stepped it up a little. Our buddy, Chris Kerber joining us today. For the I last am Alex's intern. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, since you bring him up, Alex had nothing but amazing things to say about you. You know nothing what? Uh, amazing uh, things. Uh, real quick story here on on Alex. So we, we kind of started this uh, like this booth internship, a program, and and Andy Zilch, a St. Louis uh, kid, was the first one we did it with. Uh, and Andy, I, I met him at a Blues uh, Police charity game at CBC. You know, geez, we got to be ten years ago now, somewhere that. And uh, and he hadn't found a job yet. He wanted to be a broadcaster, and he was doing all the things right to work hard. So we created this this kind of booth internship where you know they help Jeff. You you've been up in that booth area, you know, like we have somebody that kind of is a host and also lines up our interviews post game, and then if nothing's going on, they can practice play by play. Well, Andy is now um, in San Diego doing American Hockey League action, uh, you know, for, for in the American Hockey League for Anaheim's farm team there. And the second one, Andy did such a good job, and some guys have done it for up to two years, and Alex did it too. So Jeremy Rutherford came to me and said, uh, you know, I might have somebody you ought to talk to about, you know, the next guy when Andy's done. And it was Alex. And so Jeremy, Alex, and I went to lunch, and Alex filled in, and we've just had a really good run, you know, of of interns that have come through that, that get some play-by-play experience. And now Abby... You know, Holdinghausen is 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 doing it for us. She's kind of taking more of a marketing approach than a broadcast approach to it, and it's, so it's kind of fun to reshape it a little bit for her needs. And it's it, it it's a neat experience for them to be a part of. And she was fantastic last night. I happened to be able to go to the game, and I had the honor of going up there, and and she brought up some clients, and yep. of course 
Kerber came right out and said hello to everybody, like the professional that he is. And that whole organization, that whole operation up there is just first class. It really is. Well, and, and Alex, what was it that drew you to Alex? Because to me, the first time that I met I him. I felt sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of the same you way. Kinda, don't yeah. you? you just I gave kinda, him, I gave him like, a couple of bucks in the hallway the other yeah, day. You just, just you just bad. look at him and go, ah, he needs help. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I don't see that same thing when I oh. see Alex. I, I, I feel like that's a guy that's a little more put together than Jeff, that. Jeff, maybe you and I are reading it wrong. Yeah, maybe it's maybe us, it's actually. Very possible. I'm going to go get my dollar back from No, him. you know what, guys? I, I'm i bothered. Uh, I know we'll get into hockey here and some other stuff, but I, I, I'm, I'm disturbed more and more with the way I – don't, I don't know if it's government. I don't know if it's regulations. I, I don't know what it is has gotten in the way of internships. Now, look, I, I do believe that I do believe that, you know, over a certain number of hours, over 20 hours a week, somebody should be getting paid for their time. But they they've made it so hard for companies now to really do internships at least the way that we knew it. I mean, and I I interned uh I I, I was a letter writer uh when Mel Carnahan was lieutenant governor, so I interned for him. I interned over at KMOX when I was in college. Um, I did a, an internship at Channel Five, doing some copywriting, you know, and, and all those things helped me get to to where I'm at. Uh, if if all those places had to pay me, you know, it, it wasn't going to happen. Right. And and I was at a point where I had the like you have the time to do that to get those experiences. Now, and this isn't about we don't want to pay an intern. It, it's just about the experience there, and it's valuable. And whether it was Andy Zilch, whether it was Alex, whether it's what I've seen in a short time from Abby. Uh, and and the others that have that have worked in, in you know on this internship and frankly not even them just other interns we have in the blues offices that you know over the years the ones that stand out are the ones that are willing to work yeah and Jeff you were so kind yesterday during that break when you told Alex look you listen to the pregame show and you just love the way it flows and it, he works his butt off yeah, and I've got all the time in the world I, I mean I will sacrifice more time than I have. For people that are willing to work like that, young people that, that, that want to go get it, that want to work hard, that will put in the effort, you know, and that's that's to me is the real key. And he's he's always done it. Andy did it. I mean, these you can see Abby doing it right now. I mean, Abby, I found out the other day we hadn't even talked to her about it. Abby goes into the locker room and, and is collecting post game sound and emailing it back for the post game show. Mm-hmm. She was talking to Alex. She says, "Yeah, I'll do this. Figure out how to do it." And, and like, okay, that's go get itness. Yeah, that you want to see. And, and in our business. Uh, and, and I'm not talking sports. I'm talking what we all do as broadcasters. It is. It's a hard business to get in. It's a hard business to stay successful in. You have to constantly have the work ethic, no matter how many years we've been in. And when you meet young people that want to work hard too, it, it actually re-energizes you, and, it does. and, and you're, you're happy to work with them. Well, yeah. and to that end, this man was called into the Rizzuto show this morning at 8 o'clock, 8.30, whatever. You were scheduled to be on our podcast, and Donnie and I were right away like, oh, I guess he's just going to be on the phone, which would have been a 1,000% fine, right. but dude gets up and comes in here. Well, you it- didn't need to do that. You know? We appreciate that. I thought, I thought you, you wanted me to come in, so I we did. did. Oh, no, it's amazing. No, it's way better. It's it's way better for us. Yeah, for live us is better than on and the And I'm phone. sorry yeah. that I lied about the omelet station. Not actually. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'm okay. really sorry. Yeah. I, just, I just wish the kids had more of an opportunity. You know, I mean, when I, t- I mean, I would not be at the point today, right now, if I had not interned unpaid for about a year. They never overworked me, but learning from those guys was 
critical in mm-hmm. me understanding how this business works and understanding virtually every aspect of, of what it is that we do. And when they clip the hours and do this, and then also on top of that for us, our part-time hours get cut down so much that kids don't have the opportunity to learn anywhere. And, and, and I really, like you say, man, I would do anything that I can to help those kids right. when, when, when given an opportunity. To that end, who was the guy that shaped that for you? Was there a mentor for you? Is it a family thing? Is it just an overall hockey thing? Because to me, the hockey community is just the nicest people. Yeah, you, you know really what? Are. Honestly, uh, ooh, that's a question I've actually never been asked, you know, in, in terms of this this topic. I, I I would have to say it's my mom and dad. You know, I mean, we whether it was, the, you know, making sure you do your chores. Uh, you know, we, we grew up off of Highway C, just about a mile down from where Lafayette High School is now before mm-hmm. all that was built up out there. Uh, you know, we had about nine acres that were fenced in with with a barn and stuff, so you were cleaning stalls. You, you, there was just always a work ethic, but it, but it was also, I think it was also, you know, whether it be was the competition in school, you know, um, the, the the way my parents brought me up, you know, to ask questions, to think, to try to to, to go to do for yourself, uh, and so literally, I mean, the day I turned sixteen, I went up and. Got a job. I worked at Pizza Hut for four hours, hated it, and walked right down to that McDonald's there at Clayton and 141. Right, worked there for a couple of years, and and I've I've always worked. So part of it may just be who I am, but but you also you just can't get outworked, and and that's that's the thing. And even to this point, no, I don't. Nobody will outwork me, right? And because um, you 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 can't let that happen, and so. I think that's just kind of become who you are, and then you bring that into whatever internship you're doing. You bring that into whatever you did. I was a marketing major and a business major at Miami of Ohio. Everything I did on the radio was extracurriculars, mm. you know. So this was not your. I mean, you di- you didn't. This was not your original path. Oh no, this was a hundred percent my oh, original okay. path. Okay. I just yeah. decided to get a business degree in case I sucked behind the microphone. Were, were you, <laughs> that's a true. That's honest to God were, truth. Were you uh, one of those people that? Uh, and I know you're a handful of years younger than me. Did you sit next to your radio listening uh, to Dan Kelly? Uh, oh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, because because yeah, so. that was my guy growing up. Because he was that guy that you could look at the radio and picture everything. Yeah, and I think he's the one that used to start the period. Or the the blues are skating from left to right as you look at your radio down. He did that, him? and I'm, I mean Foster Hewitt might have even done that. Okay. You know, in the times, yeah. but no, I yeah, I was the one. We always got to uh, you know had the we were able to keep the radio on when we we're going to bed if the Cardinals and or teams were on the West yeah. Coast. Uh, had to wear a coat and tie to school, high school, and and so group of us, we had those, you know, just a small, my mom had like one of those first, like it was one of those, like like a, you know, like a Walkman, but it was the real thin, almost credit card thin radio, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Put it in the coat pocket and we'd strung an earbud down the sleeve and then we'd sit in class kind of with our oh, head to it and we'd listen to, <laughs> and we had one kid that screwed it up for us because in the middle of English class, he cheered during a home run. Four oh. of us had to, four of us literally had to stand up there and had to pull the wires out of our oh. coats. Oh, no. See, <laughs> and, I did that so, same technology except for I put answers on pieces of paper yeah. and I put them in my sleeves yeah, and I got busted dumb. as well. I was well. a radio geek and, and, and did that. So I, but, I, but what's, what's happened, though, is I've, like I'm still passionate about the medium of radio and still think it serves a purpose and 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 now radio has different forms. Radio to me is like is like this podcast now. It's just mm-hmm. they're able to get it in a different way and you know not everything is going to always be video because that takes two you know th- that takes two different senses to, yeah. to to do it rather than the one. So but I still to this day study and listen. I mean when I listen look 
part of what we do on our broadcast is because of, of listening to your guys' morning show. You know, uh, I, I listen to some of the interviews, Donna, that you do with bands. I study what people do outside of my own field of sports. Because how you interview a band, a leader of a band, a guitarist, and pull out information, there's a true art to interviewing. And I, sure. you can learn by listening to that. So I told this to Alex when he's interning. I tell everybody, hey, anytime I'm in the car, you know, as much as tuning into something is entertainment, I'm learning. Yeah. And, and still, I'm critically listening. Now, part of it is it ruins sports. You know, I, I, I sometimes have a hard time just sitting down watching a sporting event because I start to critique something. I go, oh, son of a – and I have to turn the radio sure, – or turn the volume yeah. down. Yeah. Um, but that uh, – it, it, it it's just a drive to, to kind of find a way to do the next thing a little bit better every time you do it. Well, yeah, and, and, this, and this industry is uh, definitely one of those that in, once you think you know everything, you don't know crap. You know, right. I, and I was telling Alex last week and Donnie that we've had the good fortune of working in the same building as Mark Close and John Hewlett and all of those guys. And if you don't soak them in for a little something, you're you're an idiot. You're you can't survive as long as those guys uh, have survived. No. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Well, you know, Hewlett's really old. I'm not going to survive as long as I'm anyway. <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? <laughs> why you got to take a shot at you, man? Because like, he's not here. Well, I understand that, but you should that that shot should be towards me, not that nice. Yeah, I thought man. he was taking <laughs> right. a shot at himself. To be honest, <laughs> that could be. Knows. When did yeah. you know that this was what you were going to do for a living? When did you know I have the skills? To, I'm not going to say to pay the bills. Uh, when did you. you know you had the skills to be like this? Is I can let go of these other things and I can jump both feet into the broadcast world. I was watching the '85 World Series with my dad. I was listening to Jack Buck and it was I don't remember what the exact call was or something. I looked over at him and I said I could do that. And and honestly, he goes, he goes, you can do whatever you want. And and pretty much at that point on, I knew I, w- I wanted to be a, a broadcaster. Yeah. Um, and then. You know, honestly, uh, I just started doing games in college, and and I did I did football, basketball, at soccer. I, I mean, I used to, I used to, you know, obviously before the internet, I would I'd take the box scores out of the post dispatch, I'd clip it, I would tape it onto a clipboard. I think I may still have this clipboard, to be honest with you, with the last time I did this, and then I would go buy a, a cheap ticket in the upper deck at Bush Stadium with a tape recorder, and I would sit and I would do baseball games. You know, uh, in there, and I'd apologize to the person sitting. I tried to find where there's a little bit of room, and and I would do that. Um, yeah. So, wow. uh, the Blues. It, it, a fun story here is I got to. I, I went from Birmingham, Alabama, after two years broadcasting hockey down there to Springfield, Massachusetts, and at the end of my first year is when was was '97 when the Blues job opened up, and that's when they had hired Dan Kelly Jr. and and I didn't apply for it. And my dad, had, you know, I was talking to my dad, and he, and, and he said, I said, no, I'm not going for it. And he goes, what? I said, ah, I'm not ready. And he said, and, and, and he goes, hey, there may not be another chance. I said, I know. I said, but what also may happen is there may, like if I put a tape in that is not very good or I don't think it's very good, and the guy listens to it, what if that job for some reason were to open up again? He sees, oh, I've already listened to this guy oh, yeah. once, and I don't get right. another chance. Yeah. As dumb luck would have it. It's three years later, the Blues job opened it up again. I put a tape in, and I end up with the job. Wow. You know, so, like, and now what happened was after that, it's probably about another year and a half, I was doing a game in Portland, Maine. Uh, It was the Springfield Falcons against the Portland Pirates, and just something clicked. Just, I I don't know what it was. Something clicked, and I literally, at the end of that one, I'm like, okay, I got it. I got Mm -hmm. this. I got it. Yeah. You know, and, and it was just... I don't know if it was just the way I felt after the game. How it? I mean, and I would go back and listen to games pretty regularly, just so you know you learn from it. But I'm like, okay, there, there was something where I finally felt comfortable in my skin. I wasn't trying to 
repeat a Dan Kelly call. I wasn't trying to, you know, beat Jack Buck and go adios or something right. on a yeah. home yeah. run or, yeah. you know, you kind of became Chris Kerber, or Bill that Wilkerson, day, maybe, or all you know? the, you know, the you know the, the greats that you would listen to, and uh, I, I found the right mix, and for me that mix. I'm I'm going to screw some things up. I'm a little dyslexic, and that's not that's not a joke. I mean, so I'll mess up some numbers, some letters, and I've learned a long time ago make fun of myself when I do it. Um, so, and and I'm also a huge fan of humor. Yeah, you know whether it be dark humor, you know, or you know around death or whatever, or or just great, you know, like uh, Mel Brooks, Monty Python. I'm think, all about I this, think, and I love working that into the broadcast. Yeah. I think opening night there was something about uh, uh, one of you guys said Steen's shaft got in the way to. Three and then Kerber said, "Don't you hate it when the shaft gets in the way?" And I was like, "I'm listening to a hockey broadcast. This right. is so great." It's- yeah, we probably have to rein that in a little bit, but eh. but it's uh, but but I like I want to I want to make it entertaining. Where if if they're a regular listener of your guys' shows, they can also enjoy listening to the hockey. What, game. what and hockey that's, fan? That's what we're trying to do. How many hockey fans are going to be upset with you saying, "Hey, if the shaft gets in the way"? No, if you're doing baseball, bosses. then maybe. <laughs> yeah. and, and we all know that. Yes, yeah. that is okay, a good you point. know it. You know it. Yeah. I know it. We been know there, we've crossed there, lines, there, and every yeah. now and then we've got to get that paper rolled up and swatted into right. the corner. Well, again. because you know it, because you'll say the thing, whatever it is, and then you'll go, "Oh uh, boy, oh boy, yeah, I, yeah. Mm, I'm going to hear about that." One. So, so let me ask you this. I, what like as far as your like post game routine? So the game's over. You're done with your work. It takes me forever to calm down when we're just doing a two hour remote at Hot Shots watching a Blues game. How long? I'm after about a to game put you it- in a very unique category of people I know. Uh oh. Okay. There's only two other people that, that and mm. and the little time I've been around you, but without a shred of doubt, I'm very confident in this. Okay. Uh, I would put I would put Darren Pang in this category, and then a buddy of mine, Dan Lapke, in this category. Is it a hair thing? No, no. It, it's uh, you. You are now three people that, based on the energy that I see in you and I've been around, that you guys make caffeine nervous. <laughs> right? You can't say anything other like, than guilty as charged. You guys take caffeine to wind down. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I am, sir, a, a, an active personality. Uh, That's for sure, for better or for worse. I, and I say that as a very positive. It's high energy. It's good. I, you know, sometimes it varies, uh, but but it does take me a while to wind down. After last night's game, I got home. I didn't feel like going to bed, and I watched. I uh, got got caught up on a couple episodes of Peaky Blinders. You Nothing know, wrong with that. So. Um, you know, and then you know, sometimes I'll go home, I'll crash. Uh, I, I try not to go to places that are too loud or that I can't. You know, sometimes like, I don't like to be talkative right afterwards. And yeah. Every now and then you are, but you know, so sometimes just just plunk me down in, 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 with a couple of buddies in a in a bar stool or even at home and just wind it down. You know. Put a couple fingers of whiskey over a big old rock and wind it down a little bit. <laughs> Lord, I yeah. was going to ask you if you were. I, I knew you were a whiskey drinker, but I didn't know exactly what kind. Do you have a a a choice? So uh, I actually, I, I really, I've learned to enjoy a lot. It's probably been maybe about eight to eight or nine years. I've really kind of started to, to to get into it and, and try to learn more and more and, and enjoy it. I started with Irish whiskeys. Still love them. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite in a moment that might blow your mind a little bit. But um, uh, then, then I'm like, okay, well, let's let's try and uh, you know learn some scotches. And Jim Corsi was our goaltending coach. I absolutely loved him. I still miss him. One of, one of the favorite people. He was here for a year, and and it's just one of the most favorite, positive people I've ever been around. And and he was into scotches, so 
every now and then we'd, we'd meet up at, when we'd get into a hotel when we'd land or, or after a game if we were staying, and we'd see what they have, and we'd try some scotches and all that. And we were in San Jose in the playoffs, and we had to stay at a hotel way off the beaten path because, you know, sometimes in the playoffs it's hard to get hotel rooms in these cities because sure. you don't book them until about a week out, right? Right. And um, Jimmy liked kind of the heavier, peatier – you know, scotches like the lag of woolens and, th- and things. So, I, and I've grown, and you know, some some people don't like that stuff, but I've I've learned to appreciate the taste of it. And so he looks and he sees the price, and he goes, "Well, this isn't right." So the waitress comes over, and Jim just had this way where, you know, somebody goes, "Hey, this seems awfully high," and that's so waitress will get defensive. Jim does it, and the woman's like, "You know, that's an interesting thing." Like, I'm like, like I never thought of that people, before. Right? Yeah, and, wow. And so next thing you know, right? He's like, no, seriously, I could go buy the bottle for this. Like, you, you guys are going to make back the whole cost of the bottle in two shots? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> next thing you know, manager comes over with two glasses of it, says it's on the house. So I agree with you. Wow. You know, and that's so, a good wingman. Now yeah. I see why you miss him. Yeah, so, well, that's true. So, you know, so then, then we kind of switched over. And now probably in the last couple years, because um, I hung out with a couple of the Jack Daniels guys, and they, they've come on some trips. And I asked these guys, I said, hey, if I come over to your bar, what uh, – I'm at your house, right? And you're going to serve me, a, a, whether a mixed drink or something straight up. What's the what's the bourbon you're serving? Mm-hmm. And not even a hesitation. They said Old Forester. Okay, this oh. is a master distiller of Jack Daniels, Old Forester. And uh, so I started, and I think they've softened. I think bourbon makers have softened them a little bit to be a little more mainstream, it's and a it's very, a little more in line with. Scott, thing, but yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It says. So it it, it it's kind of it, it it's kind of brought bourbons I think really back to the forefront. So really, I, I frankly enjoy trying them all. I do too. I'm the same way, and I don't know about you. You've talked much more than I would ever be able to, but I'm interested in getting in that world. ESPN had some sort. Well, of, we just got to go hang out a little bit, talk hockey, I mean, and drink I'm, some bourbon, I mean, and we'll. Have I some keep fun hanging out at your house. You keep calling yeah. the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was you. I thought it was a neighbor's dog. I couldn't tell. Let, let me put my hood on. You'll, you'll recognize. But the one, me. the one. Uh, <laughs> Listen, a buddy of mine had asked me for this for a wedding, and I couldn't find it. I went all around town. Couldn't find it. Patty's Irish Whiskey. Oh, no. Okay. And um, and you, you can go, you can get it in a store now. They quit distributing it to states for a couple of years. So what I would do is there was a, I found it in, in, a, in a shop in Calgary. And so for like four straight years, the woman that ran the shop would pull three bottles off the shelf for me. And every time the blues would come into town, I'd go take a cab, go over there, grab the bottles, and bring it home for people because enough of my friends and stuff like it. You couldn't get. Now they distribute it back to the states, but it's like a lighter form of Jameson's if if, if you like Jameson. And 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 frankly, I like it better than Jameson, to, to be honest with you. And and it's a you know it's only like twenty nine bucks a bottle. That's so right. For, in line it's, with Jameson. It's, it's in the cost. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like wine. You don't have to spend a whole bunch to yeah. get something that you really like. But but try that one, and I think you're going to go. Ooh, I'm actually. All right, I enjoy this one. I'll be around your house with a bottle of it later okay. on. We're learning a lot about Chris yeah, today, I love and it. I love every bit of it. Yeah. Now, I think, though, that since we have the man here, we should probably talk some hockey. Yeah. I mean, probably. Do you ever get tired of talking <laughs> hockey? Sometimes, yeah. 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 I mean, like, we work, look, the coolest thing with what we do is we work in a field where it's everybody else's hobby. So yeah. uh, when I do, I just kind of quietly hide yeah, yeah you know but but no i for the most part I, i'd say 95 percent of the time no no you don't get tired of talking hockey you don't get tired of talking what is their passion and you should feel fortunate that that they want to talk talk it because that's 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 good for business but but more importantly you you really 
their passion helps fuel you a little bit. Well, does, we got the man here. We yeah. might as well ask him. Well, some does questions. it ever? And, and I know for you, I know it does because I know. But does it ever like not shock you, but like you you pinch yourself sometimes? You're like, man, I pay my bills like this. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. like my kids are 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 on a great path because of. Of this. I spent 12 minutes ch- trying to figure out if boobs were real or fake today. Right. <laughs> like it is just, and I'll be getting a paycheck this Friday. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming. It's just, just pinch me moments. Yeah. I, I and and, and like them. a weatherman, you get paid whether you got them right or That's wrong. Right. Absolutely. Well, you just might have to wear yeah. a weird outfit for a month or hide somewhere or something. But, uh, I guess the first serious sort of blues question I want to ask, and, and I know that, that Jeremy Rutherford and I have not had a chance to read it just quite yet in The, in, in the Athletic today, did a really long interview with Mike Yo. I read his, it, his yeah. first I read, I read it. At, I read it last night at one forty-five in the morning. Very good. Well, yeah. what is couldn't sleep? What does Coach Barubi have, and what has he been able to do to push these players over the line? That Ken Hitchcock couldn't do it. Who was a Hall of Fame coach? Mike Yo couldn't do it. What does he possess that these guys just took to last December or January when this all went down? Uh, he's he's simplistic okay and sometimes when that is said somebody it could be taken the wrong way or and it's not he's extremely detailed he is very smart about the game he understands a system that it takes to win that's obvious but it's his communication of what he needs you know whether it was you know we would we meet with the coaches kind of after the media on a pretty regular basis. And we've done this since Andy Murray. And whether it was Andy Murray, the Davis Payne, to Ken Hitchcock and Mike Yo, the conversations have all varied. You know, sometimes sometimes when you talk to Craig Berube and you ask about a player and he'll just go, I just don't want him to do something stupid. <laughs> you know? But, but yeah. that's what he said. Yeah. But, but think about this. Some other coaches will say, well, it's a, you know, you got to, you know, no, the F1 has to get there. And, and, and it's so structured the, the Craig says, look, okay, the game's – just when you get out there, play. But just do something smart with it. And, yes, they have systems. They have things they expect. Um, but the the other thing that is not talked about enough with Craig – so his communication with the players, I think, has been very different than the other coaches we've had here over this stretch. Um, at least a little more direct and somehow connects with it. But the other thing is – and. I guess you could say because it's been a short window with the Blues, the jury's out, and he did have you know a little bit of time with the Philadelphia Flyers. But I got to tell you, right now, I don't know if there is a better coach coaching in the National Hockey League at in-game tactics and moving around in the in-game field to adjust as things are going on than what we've seen from Craig Berube. And that that really shouldn't be overlooked because you can have the best game plan coming in, you all of a sudden – Find yourself down to nothing. You get and and he has found ways to push buttons as the game has gone on. Right, that has created success, and that that's a big thing he's doing. One of the things that I've noticed that, and I was I don't know if I got a uh, chance to mention this with Alex last night or not, but there's not a player on this team who who will not take a hit to make a play, from the biggest guy to the littlest. So you guy. can't. And and here's two examples of what we're talking about. A couple of the reasons that De La Rosa has been scratched. One of the reasons that Zach Sanford recently was scratched. Literally the coach. And he's when he says this to us, he's not saying something he hasn't said to the players. It's not like he's saying one thing to us and hoping he gets out in the paper or something like that, right. you know. Or, or uh, But but he says to the players, he goes, look, you got to play harder. You have to play harder. 
but you may want to the style of play that you're playing. You want to do that. You might be successful with another team. You won't play here. And he wants and it aggressiveness. Play hard. Play smart. And and he's demanding that out of all the guys. Is that is that what happened with Robbie Fabry? So no, Robbie Fabry to me uh, is a little bit more of an interesting scenario. Um, I don't know that there was any issues between him him and and, and Ruby. That I'm not aware of any. Um, the, I, I the one thing I absolutely loved about Robbie Fabry is his compete. Um, and but I don't know if where the Robbie Fabry got unlucky mm-hmm. uh, because the way those injuries hit. And the length of those injuries, then this team turns the corner while those injuries are going. Now he's trying to come back into game shape as Barubi's trying to turn a team around. They're getting the team around, but you're so far behind the eight ball that you don't have time to put somebody in to get them back into the field of to it. Get them reps or Every whatever. game was a game seven for the Blues down that stretch last year. So that was that. So you get through, and Doug Armstrong was pulling for him. I think Doug Armstrong truly likes Robbie Fabry. Yeah. Uh, it just, in the end, where this team was didn't necessarily fit for him, and he Robbie asked for a trade. Joel and and Doug Armstrong said, "Well, let's get through this." Well, you know the trade happens literally, and then moments later in the game, Alexander Steen gets hurt, and you wonder, "Geez, here was a top six role." But I think I think Robbie Fabry could have easily have played for Craig Berube. I just think that the team had moved further ahead than where Robbie was in the old get back into it process. And in the end, I do like the trade for the St. Louis Blues. Look. Uh, somebody goes, oh, we could have used their scoring. Well, our scoring is the same right now as it was before Vladimir Tarasenko got hurt, and they do have somebody that is ahead of where Robbie was. De La Rosa is better defensively, mm-hmm. and that is an important part of what Craig Berube needs from that third and fourth line. So I, I don't think it was anything other than Robbie probably needed a change of scenery and a change of pace. Well, and also, too, I mean, he's getting – Power play time in Detroit and things like that. He wasn't going to get that here. He wasn't going to get it here. But that's what's great about the game of hockey, guys, is an opportunity that exists that doesn't exist here could exist somewhere else. I'll go back to uh, Craig Conroy. Joel Quenville had him slotted regularly as that third or fourth line center. Yep. Nothing more than that. Right? Mm -hmm. He gets moved to Calgary, and for three years he's putting up 70 points a year centering a top line with Jerome Ginla. That earned him a four-year contract and a big deal with the L.A. Kings. Craig leaves Calgary, signs that free agent deal with the L.A. Kings, but the Magic wasn't there anymore. He ends up going back to Calgary. You know, and, of course, now an assistant GM there he's, with, yeah, he's with the Flames. He's kind of a god there, right? Yeah, yeah, he's been there a long time. So, um, again, opportunity, and, and do you take advantage of it? Will Will Sanford, will Cairo take advantage of the top six opportunity they have right now before Tarasenko gets back or the Blues have to make a move to fill it? That remains to be seen. So you'll get some opportunities with one team you want. Sometimes it's successful and you go and, 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 and your career takes off. Sometimes it doesn't work because it's also a sport of of team, you know, and – you know, I don't know. Does does David Perron have the same season on a line with Braden Shen as used with Ryan O'Reilly? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, but that's okay. I mean, we saw we saw Hull and Gretzky not be able to really play on the same line together. Right. Yeah. That's it's crazy amazing. to think. Yeah. Of. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Um. Uh. It's, it's, I want to go to this uh, young defenseman, seventy-seven, Nico Mikolas. Nico uh, Mikola. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I called him. What did I call him last you night? Called him Miles Michael. Miles Michael. Miles Michael. Miles <laughs> Miles <laughs> on purpose. He was a hell of a pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. I I think this. I I don't know why this guy would ever have to go away at this point. 
And I'm that guy that falls in love with players. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know what I mean? I've already proposed to Clem Costin, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but I think I, he, he looks so smooth. Yes, I did. <laughs> Not, he probably wouldn't understand. I'm just saying. Um, he just seems so calm with the puck. He looks like he's an, an incredible skater, and he's got the size, too. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I would say pump the brakes a little Damn bit. It. Okay? But I think you should be very encouraged by what you've seen over these first four games. There's something that it's, it's called asset management. All right? Uh, you have two defensemen that are pretty much knocking on the door ready to come back into the lineup, and they're both NHL-ready defensemen. So when they are, you're going to send Mikola back down to San Antonio. He's going to be excited because he got that cup of coffee. He's going to know what to do, and then he's going to – and if he does it right, he's going to go down and say, okay, I'm going to be ready, and the next time I get called up, I'm going to make it impossible for them to send me down. He has played well enough that Carl Gunnarsson, I believe, is ready to play. Well, I mean, Mikola's been still been in for an extra game right, or two. Yeah. So whether the Blues are using this just to make sure that those guys, Pareko Gunnarsson, are extra ready or they see it, look, here's where we are in the standings. It's just still a chance to give these guys a little bit more rest. Again, managing you know, their workload and all that. Uh, it, it's been good. You notice Mikola did what Wallman couldn't do. You know, Wallman got the one game. Mikola's yeah. gotten four. Mm, yeah. uh, and so there's that aspect of it. Now, Robert Bertuzzo, I think, gets a lot of credit. But Mikola has, has been made just very solid plays, and they've put him in position to be successful. Now they put him out in some penalty-killing situations. Mike Van Ryan said the other night on the broadcast, these guys are earning their his trust. That is a huge factor there. Now, they're also not Bo Meester, Pareko, Petrangelo, Falk, Dunn, okay? And they haven't had to defend Connor McDavid and and those guys yet. So there's another level we're able to see. And that's not to say that they can't, that he can't, but they're bringing him along just well. So I I think it's that's, that's the pump, the brakes part, you know? Well, for example, Robert Thomas is having another good, solid season. They're moving him now full time into the middle. Craig Berube likes his speed up the middle. Okay. And he's had a pretty good year. You know, he's on pace for, you know, a 40 to 50 point season. Ryan O'Reilly's already at 40 points. David Prawn's already at 45. And they're getting that while playing against the top line every single shift of the other team. So put that into perspective of where a player like Robert Thomas is excited you are about him, and you should be, okay? But he, where is his production at this point if he was playing against the McDavid's, against the Malkins, against those guys? And he's getting some shifts, but not every one of them. A few years down the road, he's going to get there. He's got the talent. He may not be ready to handle that yet, and yet you're flanking him with two unbelievable great pros in Steen and Bozak, bringing him along. And that's why the Blues are winning. That's why the Oilers and these other teams have lost for so long because they didn't do that with some of these guys. And then when he's ready, holy cow, he'll be he'll be ready to go. You're, you're but, but, but put that into perspective. 100% right. Yeah. And the other one to pump the brakes on, and I think Craig Berube has a real good beat on this, and that's Jordan Cairo. And the reason that I say that is it was Craig – they the Blues were not happy with the coaching with the Chicago Wolves, right? Barbashev's first year there, he was getting scratched. He, he was getting put in between two East Coast leaguers on, on the fourth line. At the end of that season, I'm sitting with Marty Berdour in Chicago. He just going to see him play. I go, what's it looking down there? He goes, not good. I went, oh, I go, we got nobody. He goes, no, real problems. He goes, but in all fairness, and then it's when he told the story. Here's what's happened to Barbashev. Well, when the Blues could get control of the coaching situation of the next year because they weren't able to hire the coach. They hired Baruby. When they put Baruby in there, right, and that coaching staff went in there, all of a sudden he made these guys players and prospects again. And now you're seeing the result of it. Yeah. Because of that, when Craig Baruby says, 
I'm going to put Kyrou in certain situations. If he's not playing well, I'm not going to play him. I'm going to bring him along slowly because he's got this, he's got that. But I, I have complete faith in him because of that experience that he very recently had bringing prospects along that have proven to be NHL players. And I, and I think uh, Craig Berube at the NHL level will take that developmental approach with Kairou while he is here learning to get So just because you're up with the NHL, you're not getting ice time. We still got to develop you. It is still develop. Yeah. And well, I remember, I mean, you had Robert Thomas that was scratched a good number of yeah, times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, his rookie year. And, and so Vince Dunn as well. But, but he knew, Craig Berube knew as well with Vince Dunn that he, he's one of those players sometimes you might want to snap, but if you do that, you could lose him for the rest of the game because mm-hmm. yeah. it'd bother him or it, he might not take it a certain way. So he learned how to communicate and, and learned when to bring this on. And this and this is all stuff we've talked to Craig about. So, you know, whether it be done, whether it be how you handle certain guys, uh, he's really got that down. And and I really do – it's a tremendous positive that recent experience he had re-energizing the Blues farm system makes you real excited that he can still accomplish that with a guy like Kairou while they're here. That guy can own this city if he does it right. I, I just I, – I, I am just – it is still so amazing to me that this team, the way that Doug Armstrong has built it, that it is next man up, next man up, and the next man up is working. Like yeah. it, it's just so amazing to me. I need to write that guy a letter. Nothing <laughs> like him. send him flowers Nothing. or something, man. Like <laughs> listen, I, you guys have heard me tell the story, okay? So, but I so the morning after the hand pass game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shen smacks his stick against the glass. Went to him after that, and I said, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, I was frustrated. I said. He goes, I said, I know you weren't anywhere near the ref, but you know if that stick breaks and sauces off yeah. and gets some, you know, and and I and Manny, we, in the minor leagues, we, we probably win a Calder Cup in Springfield, but Manny Legacy hits Denny LaRue with his stick and got us got a ten game suspension, wow. probably cost us a championship, I believe. Wow! And um, so, so I saw the, the replays of the class. I'm like, oh, fellas, geez, be careful. And uh, but the next morning. And it's already legendary. Craig Ruby said, don't talk about it to the media. You're going to sound like a bunch of blank and sore losers, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, that next morning, I went into the locker room. I didn't do any interviews myself. I, just, I listened to a couple scrums, had about a 30-second conversation with Pat Maroon. I walked out of the room going, San Jose's in trouble. I did a radio interview, and I said, San Jose doesn't know what's about to come at him. Ooh, wow, and, you and, just and saw it and felt you, it. Or you knew it. Really? You knew it, guys. You know, when, even, I even, even in the too. pressure, oh my gosh. even in the pressure of, of, of last year, when you'd hit a bump on the road or, you know, we had a couple, two or three game losing streaks this year and things. I'm telling you, the time where you're anxious is when you're at home, when you're not, but when you're kind of around the team and you're reading the locker room, you know, I don't know if you guys play poker. I love playing poker. So like when you kind of, when you read people and you're looking at body language, you're like, dude, these guys aren't phased. Wow. And that, and, and something that should have phased you when it didn't boom, look out. And, and they still, they still have that. Look, they lose that third game in a row in Las Vegas. Team stayed over, had a rookie party in Vegas. So, you know, we flew home that, that Sunday and, you know, waiting for round to the bus to take everybody to the airport. And you can still see the closeness of this. I'm talking to Robert Bortuzzo. And even after that, you know, a three-game losing streak and all that, you're, they're going, I mean, it was literally, it was Alfred E. Newman. It was what me worry. I mean, wow, it, like, that's great. next up, and here they are. They, they've rattled off four straight. It's unbelievable to watch. Uh, real quick, Curbs, on your way out. Uh, all-star game here, weekend after next. What are you looking forward to the most? Um, 
And I know there's a lot there. Yeah, but- no, sharing some of the experience uh, with my girls. I've got three girls, and, and, and they're into hockey, especially my oldest. Gracie just turned 15. She has her own fantasy hockey team. And, uh, hey. you know, on Instagram, <laughs> and like like this morning, I you know, I follow your kids on social media, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had already Instagrammed Marchand's failed penalty attempt. Oh, I love it. Love you it. You know, so um, – you know, I, I look at that. I'm actually fortunate enough, you know, on 101, uh, they're going to carry the Westwood One broadcast, and uh, I was uh, real privileged to get hired by Westwood One to do the play-by-play oh, for the game. So that's so going to get a chance to kind of do a national broadcast uh, on that. So with it being here in town, it, it's going to work with Joe Micheletti, and I'm excited, really excited, an opportunity to work with a guy that to me has just always been a gold standard, you know, on that side of it. And so we're going to enjoy that experience of it, and also – Honestly, I'm gonna enjoy a little bit of downtime. I got to get that damn basement cleaned out. <laughs> no, I got to get that thing ready. I want these projects Let done. Let me know. I'll grab some whiskey and come over. There you go. Yeah, sit, sit in the corner tools. and yeah. yeah. I don't know how to use tools. Well, well, Chris, we really do appreciate your time and coming hey, in today. We'll, we'll do it again. I love yeah. it. Chris Kerber, uh, the voice of the St. Louis Blues for 101 ESPN. Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango from 105.7 The Point. It is the Last Minute Blues podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division-favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sp- the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.